Have you dreamed about opening a boutique since childhood? Maybe you have a store, but now you're ready to expand. Well, guess what? You're in exactly the place where you're meant to be. Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast, hosted by Emily Benson, retail boutique consultant, best-selling author, and a motivational speaker. In this podcast, you'll learn how to manage your boutique better, have balance in your life, and learn from experts who care. So whether you've been in the business for decades or you're just getting started, it's important to get help from someone who's been there and someone who's going to coach you along the way. So head over to BoostYourBoutique.com to learn more today. And now, here's Emily. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Boost Your Boutique podcast. I'm Emily Benson, your best friend and host on this journey through boutique land. I want to remind you before I go any further that I am hosting a retreat in Texas, in Austin. If you're in Austin or you're in Texas, please consider coming. It's in just a couple weeks, March 22nd to the 24th, 2019. We have spots available. I hear all the time from you guys, I want to spend time with you, or Emily, come here, come there. Guess what? Come see me. This is going to be a pretty small and intimate group. And honestly, my business is growing so quickly that I can tell you this is going to be the most intimate group that I ever do. After this, it's going to be much bigger rooms, much bigger situations. So if you really want to work with me, you really want to like have me get to know you, have you get to know how I work and really feel like your life is going to change because I just want to, the people that are already coming, they know their life is going to be different at night on March 24th. They know that March 25th, they're going to wake up and feel different. That is the intention of the weekend. The intention of the weekend is to get you out of your hometown, out of the town that you live in into a new place, into a luxury place, maybe something you've never done before. Maybe you've never been to a hotel that's this nice. I want this to start to be your standard, okay? This is where we start to up-level as a boutique community. No more crappy motel rooms. No more flying economy class. No more treating ourselves like we aren't the CEOs that we are. Like this is the beginning of a new shift. I've heard more of you come to me and say, I make twenty dollars to $30,000 a month. Can I get your help? Yeah, let's go. I want to make you to make forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a month. That is so close for you. Do you realize that? I think a lot of you don't realize it because you're stuck in the work mode, the hustle mode, the I have to always be on mode. And that is not how we grow as a CEO. That is not my intention of how to grow as a CEO. And that's not what I intend to teach you guys. As you grow, you get to delegate more. You get to do things that are only the things that you absolutely love. You get to experience really fun moments in your business where you're like, wow, I look around and all these things are being done and I don't have to do anything about it. When you get there, that's when it gets really fun. That's when your boutique is running like clockwork. That is when you know you can scale, okay? There is no form of hustle that gets you to bigger months. That's not how it works. 
That's why I'm doing these retreats. Well, I say retreats. I'll probably do one in the future. Who knows? But right now I have this one planned. I want you to come experience what it's like to hang out in a room with a bunch of high-vibe boutique owners with me, guiding you through the processes to show you that things get to be easier. Just because you're growing doesn't mean it has to be a struggle. Just because maybe you're making $4,000 a month. Maybe you're making $200 a month. I want you to start thinking what's next for you. And I want to show you how to get there. Okay? It's Growing your business, scaling your business is not as hard and as far away as you think it is. It actually gets to get easier as you get bigger. It actually, money comes to you faster and quicker and easier than ever before. So this is a shift that I'm going to start to activate in that room in March 22nd to the 24th. And I'm psyched about it. If you want to learn more, if you're like, whoa, that's me, I really need to like get out of my space, get out of my comfort zone, be challenged, you know, really start thinking differently about my life and my business and thinking more positively too. Let's go. The website is richretailerretreat.com. I am here to help you create a rich spirit, a rich life, and a rich business. That's where we're headed, people. If you're ready to jump on the train, I've got seats for you. If you're still going to run behind the train, that's cool, too. We'll wave at you from the train. That's cool. Um, but honestly, I do think there is a lot of people that have resistance around investing in themselves, resistance around, you know, really taking that step up. Like, there's a lot of you that maybe came from nothing. You're doing really well, but you're still stuck in a scarcity mindset. You're still stuck in like, I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to save money. Um, why should I do this? Why should I, you know, pay for an assistant? Why should I pay for a coach? You know, I've had a lot of people have resistance around like wanting to coach lately. And I'm like, okay, I don't care. <laughs> like, stay stuck. Stay stuck in scarcity. That's that is only going to change when you decide that it changes. And I'm excited because this episode is the start of hopefully shaking you a little bit and saying like the way that your patterning has worked for your whole life, the way that your brain is going into a default mode and you don't even realize it. We're going to talk about that on this episode with Agnes. I Agnes Kowalski is someone I met a couple years ago. She talks in this episode about the patterns of information that we have in literally in our cells, in our DNA. We have patterns, and until we start to interrupt those patterns, we are doomed to repeat ourselves. I know for me, every time I change a pattern, every time I move to a new city, every time I, uh, you know, change my outfit, change where, we change where we live often. We live at least two to four places a year. And that really keeps me on my toes. That's why I've been able to double my business every single year because I'm constantly on my toes. I'm constantly up-leveling. I'm constantly being challenged to, to rise to this new, higher level. And what I'll tell you is that it does get easier. And the that's what we're going to talk about on this episode. Agnes is going to really talk about what it means to have a well-rounded life to how to tap into these patterns of wealth that she sees in people and how to start to adjust them, okay? She calls herself a wealth therapist. She is actually a psychotherapist by 
degree by training by, you know, she went to school for psychotherapy. She was in private practice for 10 years before she started kind of going out on her own and learning what was keeping her stuck. And now she's committed to teaching other people what's keeping them stuck. So if you feel like you are in a scarcity mindset, you might not even realize that you are. Uh, this is where it's time to shift that. So here's my episode with Agnes. I'm psyched for you guys to hear this. Here we go. Hi, Agnes. Welcome to the Booster Boutique Podcast. Thank you so much for having Emily. It's really a reunion is what it is. It truly is. I mean, Agnes Kowalski and I have been like friends for a while now, three years. Yeah. Three and, like, plus years on the internet. Like on the internet. <laughs> but also like divulging our deepest, darkest secrets on coaching calls with <laughs> our coach. We've come a long way, baby. We really have. I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about how much we've both grown and how how much fun it's actually been to like get better and better over time. And as a wealth therapist, former psychotherapist, now wealth therapist, which I love because I love talking about being rich and wealthy and, you know, ugh, I love these terms. Tell me how you sort of transition from psychotherapy now into what you're doing, helping people with money. Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, a psychotherapist in private practice and um, I really was capped financially. I did it for a decade plus and like many uh, people who work for themselves, uh, they can't figure out why they can't make more money. And I was plateauing at this place of like 40, 50 K a year. And it was like, I don't understand. I'm helping so many people and I'm working hard and I'm you know, or I'm working well, you know, and, and people are getting results. And what's the problem? Like, why can't I make more money? Um, so there was, that started me on a journey of figuring out what was going on with my mindset around money. Mm. Ding, ding, ding. Um, that I wasn't making the kind of income that people kept telling me I had the potential to make, that my work was so valuable, and that I couldn't seem to own that piece. So that journey started, uh, started me down the road of mindset and figuring out my own money stories, money issues. And I started studying wealth patterns in myself and in my clients. So, cause I got to see clients anyway, and we would talk about success and we would talk about wealth as part of their, um, as part of the work is I got to study a lot of different wealth patterns, like people who came from money, people who came from poverty, people who came from middle class. How did these things show up for them? Um, what were the differences and what was the same? Um, and there was lots of similarities. Wow. You know, was the big finding was it that, that I wasn't different. What I believed was that I came from uh, scarcity mentality, immigrants, you know, parents who survived the war, Holocaust survivors in my family, like everything was about struggle. And I thought, okay, that's why I, it's so hard for me. And then I realized as I studied these patterns, people who came from money also worried about money. There so the story, no discrimination. Yeah. The story just wasn't, it didn't work anymore. I was like, oh, well, if that's not the reason, then what's the reason? And so that got me down the path of focusing on wealth and success specifically um, in therapy because 
you also have to like do some emotional unblocking as you know um to get to the mindset stuff sometimes like if we don't if we don't know how to ride our emotional waves or have a framework around the emotional piece um it can be very hard to do mindset work properly i like that you bring that up because i do find a lot of women who start a business particularly you know we're speaking to boutique owners they'll start their boutique and the problem that they present to me is usually something like, I can't get more followers. I can't get the sales I want. It's always something sort of external. Mm -hmm. And it's never about that external. <laughs> never. It never is. It never is. And, and our stories can have us convinced that it is external because that's the pattern. And every, you know, I like to say that, um, Every pattern is, every problem is just a pattern of information. Mm -hmm. So your problem of followers or sales is a pattern of information that is being asked to be looked at differently. Mm -hmm. And that immediately shifts how you think about your sales problem or your money problem or your followers problem. All of a sudden you're, look, you're going, this is a pattern of information. How do I, how am I looking at this pattern of information? And let me give myself 10 other ways I can look at this. Mm, I love that. When I find people think they have to be, look different, sound different. They have to be, and we were talking about this, is like figuring out how you work best and how you show up best and doing some, you know, whether it's Myers-Briggs or human design or Enneagrams, things like that to really get, because not everyone works the same. And, and really playing to how you're designed is such a relief because you're no longer trying to fit into anyone else's box because it works for them. Well, it works for them because maybe their whole design is about expressing themselves and, you know, showing up in a certain way. And maybe, you know, so it, you're trying to compete with something that you're not designed for. My design, for example, and as we discovered, <laughs> Emily's design too, is to respond to things. Yeah. Is to wait and respond. And that can be very difficult to know like how you're supposed to take action if you're someone who's waiting to respond to things, right? It, it means you have to like put things out to respond to. Especially when you're just starting out. Like you're yeah. like, what do I do now? I'm like, oh, I have a plethora of information, questions people ask, things that they come to me with. Great. I can respond to that tenfold. But when I was first starting out three and a half, three years ago, I was like, uh, what do I talk about? Who am I looking for? It was very confusing. When really what we should have done back then is ask, who am I? How am I designed? And then once you figure that piece out, um, which you can do alongside uh, at the same time, you don't have to like put your life on hold to figure this out or stop sales to figure this out. But the more you learn about yourself, the more you, the more really your marketing can flow much easier because then you're not forcing yourself, um, to do things that you're not designed for different from making your being putting yourself in situations that you're avoiding doing something. Right, right. And I think like a lot of times I'll even talk about this with just straight up resistance. Like I feel resistant to want to do that. And I don't necessarily know why, but I'm like, mm, eh, this just doesn't feel right for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And resistance is tricky because sometimes resistance, once you do it, you're fine. And you're like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know what it was about that I was building up this whole thing. And sometimes resistance is like, oh, I shouldn't have pushed through that because it really wasn't for me. And the better you know yourself, the better you can kind of quantify or qualify the, um, the quality of that resistance. Totally. Totally. Let's, I'm going to tell people, so this, what we're talking about specifically is called human design and you just literally, you, it's not even like a long test. You use your date of birth, where you were born, the time you were born. And the website you like is called mybodygraph.com. And we'll, we'll yes. put it in the show notes. There's tons of them. If you just Google it, that's the one I like. Cause I like the explanation that they give you. Cool. Cool. And so that's easy enough for anyone to take action and do today. Absolutely. Because so many, so many problems exist because of decision-making difficulty that people have and human design answers a lot of questions to how you should make your decisions. Mm -hmm. I love that. Instead of for, usually it's like, basically no matter what your design though, people try to force an intellectual answer. Like what is the logical thing to do versus what does my heart say or my gut say, or my, like a deeper knowing, um, the intellect is just programmed to keep you safe. To be honest, you know, many people just will come across Emily and they'll be like her energy. I need to be in her energetic field, period, end of story. The decision has been made. And then they're talking themselves out of it or into it or whatever, when you've already made the decision. Yeah. It wasn't intellectual. It was energetic. Yeah. And so much of life just is energy. Like, I I feel like, you know, so you guys, Agnes has this really cool thing called the 10 commandments, cash flow commandments, 10 cash flow commandments. I'm obsessed with them. It's a workbook. We'll give you the link to it. And I feel like this plays into your commandment number 10. Thou shalt not blame for your lack of cash flow. And this is the energy of living in scarcity or living in a place where we're not trusting our gut. We are living in too much in our head brain. We're like, there must be a reason this isn't work. like we're, we decide to sort of put off that responsibility to someone else in our head, but really in our heart, our heart saying, Oh, we should be doing that. Right. Exactly. And the blame, the whole blaming thing comes from um, really identifying as a martyr. And the martyr's war cry is, uh, or sorry, the victim's war cry. So the victim archetype is like, things are happening to me. I have no control over what's happening. Um, it could be a mix of the victim and the martyr, where the martyr's war cry is, I have to sacrifice for others. I have to slash my prices. I have to work super hard. I have to, I have to, sacrifice is how I get my value. Oof. Sacrifice is how I get my value. That would be the martyr's kind of war cry. That's powerful. And if you identify with that, then you're working from that archetype, which is good to identify because then you can be, figure out what you need to do to nurture yourself out of that. Right. Cause you're the, the idea with the, with the, um, with the victim and the martyrs that something external, more money, more followers, more, more something is going to fix it. Yeah. And that's the big lie. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to fix your self-worth, your self-confidence, your self-esteem. It's not going to fix it. No. And I think when we get convinced that it's going to fix it, it actually becomes a bigger problem because we think, oh, like 
I just need to learn another thing or I need to figure this thing out or I need to add another app on my Shopify and I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. and to me, you know, you and I, well, we've both been in business for ourselves 10 plus years, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm almost at 10 years. You're more than 10 years, but, but I'm a little bit older. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, but still, honestly, what I think we both can agree on is it's, a lot of uncomfortableness growing your business. It's a lot of growth. Like I love when Gay Hendricks, Guy Hendricks says in the big leap, business is ultimately a spiritual path because being uncomfortable and reconciling it however you can is how you grow your business. Yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes we have to just, when you get in the habit of in your personal life, stepping towards having difficult conversations, putting down your boundaries, saying, you know, I'm only going to work these hours. I can only be available for this thing. When you start having difficult conversations more and more and more, you start relaxing your nervous system around doing difficult things. Mm. It, It starts, your nervous system starts to relax around that. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I've done hard things before, so I can do hard things again. Maybe I can raise my prices and, and, you know, relax my nervous system around that. It makes so much sense. Adding boundaries allows you to chill out because the, the, the line is drawn. Exactly. And the drawing the line is the hardest part. Is the hardest part. So once you start doing like the small things that are hard, like small conversations, even in your personal life, you're going to have evidence to be able to do that in your business, right? You're going to be able to make hard decisions in your business, harder and harder. It's not that your decisions get easier just because you're making more money. If anything, there's more on the line and there's more uh, sense of pressure, the more money that you make, the more employees that you have, the more responsibility there is. You've just built up your resilience as we were talking about earlier um, before we started this. Yeah, <laughs> I always have great conversations before. <laughs> but we, you know, you build up your resilience to making, um, doing uncomfortable or difficult things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even thinking back to when we were in a a small group coaching program, mastermind together. I mean, I remember the things that we were talking about back then, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, God, those things feel like nothing now. Like they feel hilarious that we were so freaking worried. So upset. So (laughs) concerned. I mean, it was just like, wow. That is not even a, a question in my mind ever anymore. Right. No, I mean, it's really, um, all you have to do is kind of scroll the internet and, and recognize how much money is circulating in the world, period. Like at one blackjack table in Las Vegas, how much money is circulating in one table? Go Google it. It's probably like a billion dollars. That's so interesting to think about because that brings up too the idea of like, competition and there's not enough for everyone and that mindset of like oh well you know there's so many boutiques starting all the time like I get this a lot people will say to me do you ever feel like the market's saturated there's too many boutiques and I'm like no like there's there's too many coaches no that's not true like it's just it's a false idea and when you think about it with the black taxi blackjack table it just makes so much more sense. Right. That, that, that it's unlimited. Like the amount of money is unlimited. If you can wrap your head around that. And that's another sort of 
um, like not enough uh, type of type of thing where if you grew up with not enough or this sense of not enough, not feeling enough or not having enough or this type of idea, which I think everyone in some way probably has this experience. Sure. Um, you know, it can be something that, that if you keep feeding it, this idea of not enough, it keeps growing. Mm. And then you start seeing proof, you know, oh, see, like that person went out of business. But Emily and I will tell you, like the people that were in our group, like how many of them like disappeared? Longevity is like just, just keeping your door open and your shingle out is enough for you to beat 90% of the competition. Seriously, seriously. And I just say, you know, the one thing I'm really, I'm a true Scorpio. I'm super loyal, which means I'm super loyal to myself. So if I say I'm going to do something, if I say I'm going to start a business, like I feel guilty. Like, for example, I started knitting and I'm all the way, I'm like this much, you know, five inches down a knitting thing, but it's getting too tight. And I can't, I did something weird where I added more stitches, something happened. And it took me like four times trying to work at it to be like, I need to give up. Like, I need to just restart because I, I need longer needle. Like some things, I need to talk to an expert because I don't know enough. And I, I went to Greg and I go, Greg, I quit my knitting project. I'm going to restart. And like, for me, that was huge. <laughs> yeah. To know when to drop something. Yes. To know that like that, you know, that particular, pro I don't think knitting's not for me. I think I, I enjoy it. It's, it's fun. I like to do it in front of the TV, but that particular thing, I was just like, Oh, it's, it's becoming a struggle. It's getting too hard. I'm, I'm getting stressed about, I'm more stressed about it than I am having fun with it. And that's mm -hmm. when I know it has to be done. Time to mix it up, time to switch something up, time to look at that pattern of information differently yeah. versus just tossing knitting away altogether or your business together all, you know, all together. Time to look at that pattern of information differently. Absolutely. And I think it even goes back to like, maybe you're doing something in your business that doesn't work. It doesn't mean you're not good at the business. It doesn't mean that you have to close the business. It means you have to look at it differently and say, how for me, can I do this differently or better? That's going to be more aligned, like we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. And not so, you know, there's, there's some things that don't need to be hard. <laughs> Knitting right? is one of them. <laughs> What's that? Knitting is one of Knitting them. Is one of them. Um, but generally, like, when we're not improving energy and when we're not trying to prove something with the business or how much money we can make or how many sales we can have, um, things get a lot easier. You can make money by proving and being willful and forcing things to happen, but it's hard. It's hard work and, and it feels hard and it feels like a burden because it's not aligned. It's, it's not supposed to be so hard. It's really not. And I think that's even one of, I love these commandments. I'm just so obsessed with them because you're like, you're giving out all these ideas. Like you shouldn't be freaked out by money or business. Don't be attached to the outcome. That honestly, being attached to the outcome, I think is why people force it so much is because they say, well, if I do this, then this is going to happen, which is right. not always true. Right. Right. Yeah. And when you're attached to the outcome, it's a very small window of how success can look. You've just narrowed the possibility. Like, what if like 
There's a possibility that some huge company could buy you out immediately because they love your idea, but you close that window because the only way you can see success is 500 individual customers. Mm. So right? There's so yeah. many possibilities, but if it has to look a particular way for you, you're closing so many doors and you're trying to force an outcome that isn't there. And then you're, and then the whole attachment thing we know, I mean, it just, if you've done any personal development, then you know that being attached to the outcome is different from being like inspired by a goal or excited by something. Mm, yeah. Really, because I think even just having a vision and having that bigger goal, like I know for me, I used to get really attached to the, that goal number. Like I'd be like, mm -hmm. I want this much money this month. And when I didn't hit it, it was just instantly felt terrible. Yeah. And now I've set like a couple goals for my, like I'll set numbers goals, I'll set money goals, I'll set a couple different things to be like, you know what, I'm going to keep it open so it doesn't, I don't feel so locked into like I have to have this one thing happen. Yeah, it creates a lot of pressure. Like the attachment creates a lot of pressure, which makes it really hard to manifest anything like magical about it. There's not a lot of <laughs> there's no magic in that. There's no magic in that, right? And it and there's no fun in it and there's no play in it. And yeah. like when you think about manifesting or like making money or stuff like that, it's supposed to be fun. Like you're supposed to make more money for it to be fun. If making more money is gonna make it like more pressure, you're not gonna do it. Yeah. No one wants more pressure in their life. I don't care no. what human design type you are. No, it doesn't matter which design you are. The pressure isn't going to work. And, and that works into, plays into the, you know, working hard thing. The only thing I want you to work hard at is knowing yourself, knowing how you're designed, uh, you know, responding energetically to things like, you know, Emily's like someone I want to work with. I'm responding to like, just notice like where you've already made the decision and then follow through, but don't work hard at the stuff that doesn't, that doesn't make you really feel good or bring any magic. And I think people mistake this, that as like, Oh, well, if you're not a hard worker, then you're not going to get, and then you're really tying manifesting into hard work. And it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. The people who are making loads of money are working at their business, yeah. but they're not, killing themselves in the process because their energy is what you say this a lot. Their energy is what sells. Totally. And if your energy is not aligned and you're not happy and you're not loving the clothes that you've picked, like, Oh my God, I want to wear that right now. I don't even want to sell it. Cause I like it too much. <laughs> that is, it's off. It's off. And people feel that whether it's consciously or subconsciously, people feel that you are not aligned for lack of a better and they're reflecting that to you with the lack of sales and it's hard when you're at the beginning of it mm -hmm. and just know that there will come a time where you're not like you're not worried about how much money you will make because it's just normal and i think sometimes like you know people who have businesses retail businesses they get really personal about the business and it's a business. Yeah. Like maybe a little separating isn't a bad thing. When I, when I separated a little bit and I didn't make it so personal, oh, the business didn't make, didn't hit the number. Then it was like, okay, the business didn't hit the number. 
I'm here. I'm okay. I'm a valuable person. I'm worthy. The business didn't hit it that month, but maybe it will next month. And maybe I need to switch things up. So it hits the next month and stop making it like a personal attack on you. I love for being a terrible person that couldn't achieve this result. I love that because you can still be the face of the brand, the voice of the brand, and also be, have privacy. Like I am very clear about like, very rarely do I show my own apartment or where we live or my car or very rarely, even though I know I'm the face and the voice of this business, but I need, I need time. That's just me. I need things that are just me. And that's okay. <laughs> but I think boutique owners, because they're so face forward, have trouble with that separation too. Yeah. And I think that gives you like a lot more relief, you know, um, to be yourself, to, to not take it so personally when the business is not successful and be like, okay, well, what, how do I need to pivot? How do I need to change gears? Maybe I need a new mentor. Maybe I need to do mindset work. Like, and, and figure out how you need to pivot and look at the pattern of information versus attacking yourself about it. Because then you're like that, then you're really destroying the energetic asset that's behind the business. So powerful. That is it. Like that is the energetic power. Like do not destroy yourself behind the business because you've decided to beat yourself up because you didn't hit this goal or you didn't launch on the day you thought you were, or things are taking longer to photograph than you thought, you know, like chill the F out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the thing that comes up also is, you know, if you are taking good care of that asset, you're also making sure that asset is paid properly. Mm, yeah. Let's talk about this. Now you're like, <laughs> I'm like, this is the juicy stuff. Because most retail, I'll be very honest with you, most boutique owners don't pay themselves. And, it, and it, I even just advocate, just give yourself 50 bucks a week. Like something, but you're right. They're, why don't women pay themselves? Please tell well, me. I think not, not charging enough or not, not paying yourself is, first of all, it's like, if you've just started a business and it's working, you're doing whatever it is to make it work and you're not looking at it as a business, you're like, this is just working, so let me just keep doing whatever's working. But if you've had some momentum, then you need to start treating your business as a proper business. If you read Profit First, very simple plan to just dividing up your money properly so that you're paid something, even if it's 10%, um, you start paying yourself that. now not charging enough can be about a bunch of different things. It can be like a custom idea uh, or a custom pattern of information for each person that could be a different sort of pattern. Um, but generally not charging enough can be about feeling worthy um, and, and seeing yourself as less than, right? Less than or seeing yourself as um, the sufferer, the sacrificer, the martyr, the victim. So when you're seeing yourself as that, I want you to remember something that when you do that, when you undercharge, you're also seeing your patron as that. Mm. You're also seeing your patron as someone who doesn't recognize value, who doesn't see themselves as valuable enough 
to pay X price. And that for most martyrs will be a trigger. Like they can be, they can sort of see themselves as lowly, but when you're putting that on your client or patron, because you are, mm. that is a reflection. Yeah. Yeah. So you're also seeing them as that, as people who can't pay enough, who can't afford, like nobody has any money. They always want a discount. Always want a discount. You know, you're reflecting that to them. Yeah. And it might take some time to change that scale yeah. of like how you're charging and like to start like upping your prices. Um, but you're also respecting, like what if you saw raising your prices as respecting your, your patron more or your client more? Valuing them more. Valuing like, them more. You are valuable. And I know that you value my cert, like what I'm giving to you, the expertise I'm giving to you the curated collection I'm, I'm giving to you, really, I'm doing all the work here and you're getting to just come in and snap up what you love. I mean, that's a value to a lot of women. hundred percent. So, so remember that like you are valuing your energy and that, per and that's like a chain reaction. Then that person feels really good about their purchase. It makes them feel special, luxurious, versus, oh, I got such a good deal. There's a certain like joy to getting a really good deal. And there's something very special about buying yourself something valuable yeah. that you remember forever, that you touch and treat a certain way that other people then recognize the energy of that. Oh God, I love that idea of buying as a boutique owner, purchasing my clothes from my store, giving them this beautiful value, give, sending them this love and energy, and then someone else buying it, getting, also getting it, and getting to wear it every day and feel that energy's passed on to them with the clothes on, and then they get to like sort of illuminate and feel really beautiful. Domino effect versus like how much are people, like how, how fast or how long is the life of a cheap discount product? What is the energetic life of that versus like, you know, a, a Louis V, v, v bag or I don't know how yeah. to say it. Right. Like a Gucci <laughs> something or a, yeah, yeah. What, like what's the energetic life of that? Those are still stores, um, sold at vintage shops. Totally. Even right. like a good Chanel bags hold their value. People will pay the exact same price that you paid for it at the Chanel store. Right. Three it's years later, three even years like later. vintage store owners who like have stuff that's maybe like cheap polyester from the seventies, but like a brilliant pattern or like, you know, like a beautiful pattern that nobody's seen, like yeah. seeing the specialness of something and really allowing that energy to price the thing, um, really reflects a lot on you. Like that's a very, you're really gifting them a whole lot in that, in that exchange versus what's the energetic life of something that's like from the dollar store? I'll tell you because I've, you know, I have kids and they lose water bottles every five minutes and I'm like, <laughs> they keep losing them because I'm like, whatever, it's from the dollar store. Yeah. That it's the energy you put into it. Yeah. Right? But their special thing that they got, you know, my son's into Beyblades now. It's like the thing, that thing, that's never getting lost. That's like always LOL doll. a special spot. LOL dolls. But LOL doll, if you lose a freaking shoe, it's like the end of the world. <laughs> right. End of the world. Yeah. So I think that's like such a nice practice 
for you to not, you know, we have to get out of this culture of dismissing like ourselves and our energy. And, and that's very much what we're passing on to the client. Like if I undercharge as a mindset coach, I'm also, it doesn't feel good to me if I'm undercharging because then I'm saying to that person, man, I don't think that you have what it takes either to pay me. I, I see you as somehow a victim, which is different from being like, you know what? I made the decision and you made the decision to work together. You just can't afford this price. So let's make a deal. Totally different energy. Totally. Totally. Agreed. Yeah. Well, having that special moment with someone and being like, okay, you know what? I can't afford it, but I really, we both made the decision. Let's make it like happen. Yeah. I mean, I've had people come to me via email that are just like, I just really want to take this course. I'm just literally not in a financial place to do it. I'm obsessed with all your stuff, da, da, da. And like not to open up the door to anyone to ask for something for free, but they honestly, people that don't ask for anything, I'm like, you know what? Let me just, here's the password. Just go ahead. I'm going to gift that to you because I believe in you. And I feel like, you know what? If you've given me so much love, I want to give you a little bit of love too. Yeah. Rare occasion that it happens, but it makes me so happy Right. That person who's just genuinely excited rather than the person that's like really victim in their own story. Well, I can't this, that be, it's like, uh, there's a difference and it's, yeah. it's subtle. And I think the more you develop your energetic sensing, you get better at, at discerning all that. Exactly. Stuff. And, and then the discounting is something special versus you constantly sending this energy out of like, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. And what do you keep attracting is I'm not worth it. Right. So totally, it's a totally different message when to hold that bar and hold that standard of like, this is what I'm worth and this is what I need to charge. And I think people also go off the deep end on that end and they think that they're worth a lot more than they are <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, you need to find that balance and then just incrementally grow when it feels like it doesn't feel right again, raise the prices. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I want to wrap up with you where, so I want to let people download your commandments. We're going to give the link to that. It's a beautiful workbook and it actually, I love that has space for you. You can print this out and start to write down how you're feeling about the commandment, what, where you're feeling blocked around it. Agnes is in a beautiful job with this. It's a free download. And I'm, I downloaded it the other day. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> so good. You know, it's just, it's really good for basic people, but maybe even people that have done some mindset work to come back to and just check. We're always checking in with where we're at, especially as we grow. So, yeah, so yeah. good. Where else can people find you on the internet? Um, on IG, Agnes Kowalski. On Facebook, Agnes Kowalski. Um, I like IG. I think it's really fun. I love Emily's stories. It's just a lot of fun on there. Um, so follow me on there so I can follow you back and see what awesome products and things you're selling. Um, I'm on there, download the free stuff, and I have over a hundred videos on YouTube that you can you can go study mindset for hours and hours and hours. Uh, study it, understand yourself, um, and you will be a much, much more profitable business owner because of it. Yeah, I love it. And Agnes has a great course, um, PTP, PTP Permission to Prosper, Permission to um, that really focuses on money mindset. Uh, I have a really great 
surrendering process in there um, to clearing blocks because so much of that stuff is emotional weight that you don't know how to get at, uh, emotional stuckness and blockages that you don't know how to get at. And you need a framework for that. And that's what's inside the course. So it really helps you release stuff so you can lighten your load, keep it moving, make those sales, um, letting go of the guilt, the he like the heavy emotions, like the guilt around overcharging, um, the guilt around not working hard enough. Like what if you're, what if it could be easy and life could be easy? And those are the things we got to face in our mindset. Yeah. And it can be easy. So leave us with, leave us with one thing. If anything like you want to give people, what is that one tip, trick, mindset saying, whatever, what do you want to give people? Um, I want you to understand that your energy is your currency. Yeah. So body, mind, spirit is all, it's all tied in together with your energy. And really that's the best mindset advice, because if you want to know what it, what it's like to have a million dollar business, study the energetics of a million dollar business owner. Yes. Um, and imagine yourself in that. And I know it's sometimes hard to visualize, but study the energetics of the things that you want. That is very much an inside job, not what's going on externally, what's going on internally with those people. Yes, I love it. Thanks, Agnes. I'm so glad you came on this. So fun. Thanks so much. Did you love this episode as much as I did? Head over to iTunes and rate and review the Boost Your Boutique podcast so more amazing and creative boutique owners like you can find out about it. And don't forget, head over to boostyourboutique.com to learn more.